Hi there, I'm Alex, and welcome back to the Ukeswith podcast. Uh, this is the podcast where we meet people entwined and engulfed in the ukulele world, and we try and absorb as much knowledge and information out of them as we can, while still having some fun along the way. And my guest today is my best friend in the whole world. It's Phil here from the Southern Ukulele Store. How are you doing, Phil? Man. I'm good. I'm really good. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. It's my pleasure. I've wanted you on the podcast from the off. You were kind of the second or third name I wrote down, and I thought, well, that'll be a fun conversation. And then when I've talked to people about it on Patreon, hi, people on Patreon, um, you've been a top name where people have said, yes, I really want to see that interview and have hear that conversation. So here we are. Um, here we go. So I guess we start from the beginning because you're not really a ukulele guy. Yeah. But you've found yourself kind of falling down and the more you try and dig out, the more... You yeah, <laughs> the further I try and get out of the ukulele pit, the further I get into it. Um, and the so, more comfortable I get as well. Well, that's it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's just a natural kind of sinking feeling with the ukulele. But you, once you start to understand it, you start defending it. Is that mm, right? Absolutely. I think that like the craftsmanship that goes into um, the, the you know the, the playing the building all of it is really cool and I, I think that you can't you can't deny it it's got um, an amazing place in the music world and, and even now I see parts of it just going into my guitar playing and everything else that I do musically definitely once you start playing with those four high strings everything starts to revolve around them do you find that with guitar yeah I've yeah. suddenly got a better appreciation of like jazz triads yeah <laughs> jazz and the ukulele they are they are just one and the same entwined yeah yeah so you you started on guitar that's been your main instrument when did you start playing guitar and what what, what did you do so uh started playing guitar at 13 had the um compulsory marshall mg 10 amplifier for anyone who knows guitar amplifiers yeah. um and uh yeah just just got really into kind of punk rock music and found my own little kind of hub and identity in music and guitar playing and songwriting and, and fell really kind of quickly in love with songwriting and, and doing that sort of thing. Um, okay. So yeah, did that for, uh, still do that now, done that for years, I'm 31 now, so that's a long old time. Um, and then what, I started working here six years ago? Yeah. But with so, with the guitar, just going back, I mean, with the, you, I mean, you're in a few bands. You did a couple of couple of yeah. different projects. You're somebody that likes to put together a lot of musical projects, and you like a lot of different styles. Mm. Um, talk, just tell people who are unfamiliar with your previous career and musical exploits. Tell them a bit about Asp. Okay, so my first band uh, was a band called Asp, and um, for anyone who you know comes to the shop regularly, um, you'll probably know. Gunzy, and he is um, As was Asp's bass player when we were up and running, um, and we were like a desperate wannabe Motley Crew. We just loved the kind of eighties glamour or thing, and we we just played and played and played that sort of style of music. It was really fun. Um, it was far too many wild nights out, but it was really good to be in a really big loud rock band. And I love those days, and I still look back at them really fondly I loved the shows that we did we got to do a couple of like little small UK tours and things uh, and it was really special it was a really good point in my life and uh, everyone I know wanted to be an ASP as well everybody kind of loved that you were so pure in what you were doing 
it's when you're a kid it's very easy to go i like this kind of music i'm going to play this but actually it's quite hard to do um the very over the top cheesy 80s music yeah. and the heavy rock and make it your own like there's so few bands that get to try and do that and especially for as, as long as you guys did so yeah i'm glad it's a good time you're very kind you're very kind. yeah no i am i am bigging it up i mean they played a few pubs and that was about it but. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but i remember our last gig you actually you actually played our last gig with us i did um, and that yeah. was really cool that was really great yeah it was good it was good to live a dream and be in a being a rock band for yeah. one night you know and then i got to play as part of fern's last gig you did yeah, yeah we uh, we've got an odd relationship in that we've played very different styles but as we've got older we've met in the middle yeah yeah so we've we've worked together on a band called Hummingbird and the Crow. Um, some of the tunes that you guys hear on the um, on the Southern Ukulele Store videos are reinterpretations of songs that Phil and I played together on guitar. Um, talk a bit about Hummingbird and the Crow. Hummingbird and the Crow um, was a much smaller part of my life, but just meant just as much to me as as us did. Really, um, I just kind of had this song. And I was desperate to figure out a harmony for it. I couldn't figure out a vocal harmony. And uh, I, I said, Alex, can, can we stay on after work and just jam it out a little bit and see what happens? And you just had the best harmonies. And it was like, okay, we've got to do this now. And we just did. And it was, again, just a really cool experience and a really different crowd of people, a really different kind of set of gigs. Um, and being that bit older, it felt a lot more kind of um, professional and functional, but yeah. that that was really nice to have something kind of a streamlined, tangible kind of project to get into. Yeah, ma'am. Oh, I can't speak for you, but for me, all of the various projects I've done over the years, you know, that probably about 18 months that we did that, it's the best thing I've ever done musically. I'll include some links in the description to this video if you're watching on YouTube and you can uh, see for yourself and hopefully you like it, even though the, the ukuleles get very big in that band. They, and they have six <laughs> strings and they are guitars. That's, you There's know. no beating around the bush on that one. But it? you know, we might one day, we might play some of these tunes on the uke and make them mm. work. It depends really what kind of appetite people have for it because we've both got kids and... Yeah, I, th I think it's more of a timing issue than anything else uh, timing is in actual man hours than uh, yeah. rhythmic timing so before you started at the southern ukulele store you did study uh, music at university um what kind of uh, element of music were you doing at, at uni so i did um recording and engineering so i was looking at how to uh, record music so that's been really cool um it kind of led me into working at a couple of local uh, studios around bournemouth which is where the the shop's based um and again, it was just always about adding another string to my bow and just filling that out so I could do as much as I could. I think one thing I learned from music and one thing I'm still learning, you know, and I take through with me here at the shop, is just as much as you can, just learn, 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 because it, it allows you to be independent. Yeah. And it allows you to kind of keep yourself kind of growing. Um, and so the recording thing really allowed me to take charge of my own music. It allowed us to, when we were doing Humber and the Crow, we were, you know, recording the, the the music video we shot here for Fly Like a Crow. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I recorded and mixed that. We um, we actually, I think, we finished work at 5.30 and we recorded it whilst our friend Adam 
yeah. was setting up and making the shop ready for the, the video. Mm-hmm. And then you were mixing it while mixed it down so that we could mine to it for the video. We did all of that in three hours, and it's something it was, that none yeah. of us had ever done before. Yeah, I'm so proud of it. Aren't you? Yeah, like I, I still one for the list. Yeah, just sometimes I still watch the video, and I'm like, it's just really good. It's just really sweet to be able to kind of watch it and go, because that was always my thing with Asp. We really wanted to shoot a music video, and we never kind of got around to it. Yeah. So like with Hummingbird and the Crow, you're such a go getter you'll go out and you'll just be like if we're doing a music video we're going to do a music video Yeah. I, and I was yeah. like well this is my opportunity I've got Alex in the band so let's, let's do a video Yeah. and we just yeah it, the vibe was completely right and I'll never forget your green your surf green converse yeah man they just always pop man yeah they work really well in that video anyway I know, you know we're we're um, kissing each other's asses here but you know the, the love we have is very real um you know, we've worked together now for what six or seven years six or seven years yeah, yeah, and yeah. so what led you to the southern ukulele store so um i think really i just had some time to kill i just i really needed to to kind of earn like a little bit more money i was doing bits of teaching bits of youth working um and one of the guys i was youth working with told us about the job there was a job here which gunsy got and then um, I was like, okay, well, I, I need to do some bits. <clears throat> and I, uh, yeah, I, I started doing some weekend work here, some part-time work here, covering when people were on holiday. And then when the full-time, I think I did that for a while, on and off, moved to Reading for a little bit, did you? Yeah, came felt back. like you've worked here longer than six years because you, of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember like all the old sofas and everything and it's, yeah. And then when the full-time position came up, I think I just annoyed Rob for so long that I kind of just <laughs> bu- like bullied my way into the job. I just there was no one else. I just kind of stood there in the door. I was like, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And um, yeah, just it, really lucky to just fall into it because um, yeah, been a six year career so far. So it's been great. And uh, when you started, did you did you think it would take you the places it's taken you? No, no. I think that, and, and now that we've got, we, we've recently had a new member of staff join the team, um, who's really cool and really fantastic, uh, and I just think that I never would have thought that I'd have done the things that I have through the shop. There's so many experiences, and it's not just like working at a retail place, you know, you don't just kind of come here because you want to sell something to someone and take as much money out of their pocket as possible. Yeah. It's a real kind of personal journey, you end up kind of being... Uh, friends and acquaintances with all the customers that come in and it's a small business so you know over the course of that six years of working here me and you went from kind of knowing each other in passing from bands and things like that to being really you know as you said best friends yeah man I mean I I, I find as a grown-up I, uh, I I lean on you for emotional support a lot mm. because we've got kids the same age and you know, we've been married the same amount of time and we both have to look at ukuleles all day, which is traumatic <laughs> in itself. <laughs> um, but we do very different things day to day at the shop. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, we don't step on each other's toes, but we spend all day together, would you agree? I, that's kind of what I, I think makes our friendship. It's going to sound very cliche, but just like the yin to my yang. Oh, if, if I need something uh, professionally or not professionally, I can just be like, yeah, how's it going? Yeah, and it just works out. Um, I think that, yeah, as 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 you said, our, our job descriptions are, are very different in store, 
Um, but I think the fact that my years just kind of my life has just kind of happened a year after yours yeah you had a kid next year I had a kid (laughs) like it's just all kind of worked out that it's like we've kind of grown up together especially in the last kind of six or seven years it's been really cool to uh, have someone who's doing the same things in life and professionally all at the same time as you yeah moving house we just mirror each other every step of the way and when we don't it feels weird yeah 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 (laughs) who have we done Um, so You've you've come into this shop. You, mm-hmm. You've not played ukulele. You've not come from that background. You've taken on the instrument, and then Rob, uh, the owner of the Southern Ukulele Store, says to you, "I want you to go up and do a course with P. Howlett." Yeah, crazy. It's crazy. I mean, what did you get out of that experience? What's just some of your memories? Yeah. So I think, like, firstly, like just kind of getting my feet under the table here. Um. We were really lucky. Uh, our friend Adam, who we mentioned earlier, who filmed the video, used to work here. And he was kind of doing a lot of what I do now, which is just kind of like running the repairs department and stuff. So I kind of shadowed him a lot and got my, my, my feet under the table there and learned all of those things. And it just so happened that it worked out that he was kind of heading off and going traveling when Pete offered the course. And... Um, yeah, I was really fortunate to go up and build a uke with Pete. And that's a dream come true. Who doesn't want to build their own instrument? Mm. You know? And to have that experience... And I think I was... I was lucky enough to be kind of thinking about what I might be, like, talking about and making some notes. And I was thinking to myself that, actually, um, what makes Pete's uke so special is that he's done it for so long that he has his own little ways of doing things. You pick up, when you've done something for that long, you just pick up your own little kind of tricks of the trade. Oh, yeah. And to see how other ukes have been built since doing it and have an understanding of it, you you kind of go, well, that's why Pete's ukes sound the way they do, because he builds them to have the backs and the sides be this thick. And it's really cool. And he doesn't worry about the instrument ageing and changing with age. No. Because he builds it just on the verge of destruction yeah almost yeah 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 like the top's as thin as it can be he knows because at some point you know he's made a top that wasn't thick enough and you know he he doesn't worry about Hawaiian belly because Kamakas have been doing that for a hundred years that's it man and I I think that you've come back from Pete and the amount of knowledge you've passed on I mean yeah I mean I'm glad you got a lot out of it but just working around you over the years the amount of times you've been like do you know what I remember Tommy or Pete I mean talk about Tommy because Tommy's amazing in himself Tommy was great like Tommy encouraged me to I was really nervous about doing something to the uke I was like oh shall I chamfer the edges of my uke and he showed me this like little trick with like the sandpaper and it's something I use all the time and it's so simple and it's just kind of really trusting it like it's your own hands yeah and just getting in there and, and, and kind of doing it to help shout for the edges. But the big one for me was um, when Pete <laughs> when Pete uh, carved the neck. Like, I remember him distinctly bringing out this, like, L-shaped block yeah. of wood. And I was like, what's going on here? What are we going to do? You looked at it and you didn't identify what it would become. Yeah, completely. Because yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was such a weird thing. It was like, it was kind of like this with, like... I'm holding up a piece of wood to the camera for anyone watching on YouTube. Um, but yeah, it's like a block of wood with like a little kind of uh, top piece to it. It's so like an L that's fallen over. And he just took this file and just started going at it. And by the time he had explained what we were doing, 
he had actually shaped and carved a neck and I'm like this is going to take me all afternoon and it did yeah and it's like hilarious just to see what that experience does to you and what the ability to judge something does so when Tommy taught me something really simple which is the the nut cut trick that we still use to this day yeah which is if you cut the nut a little bit kind of just a smidge kind of pointed towards the machine heads you can actually lengthen the scale a little bit and just fix some intonation issues if you really need to with that little tweak you know he did it and he did it as though he's been doing it for years and had been and nailed it and I did it and I was like I clearly just put a right angle into it and it's taken me so much time now and now I'm great I can stand there and I can do it but experience is so key like when you're setting an instrument up you've got to set one up every day and I'm just really fortunate that you're to work in a position where I get to do it every day and uh, really kind of hone my skills so I'm, I'm incredibly lucky. Even now, all these years later, these little tips and tricks that mm. you picked up that day have been vital. Yeah, like little bits of kind of wood shavings and glue you can make a little bit of like a kind of like putty oh, yeah. that, that's to like, like fill little bits if you need to on, on stuff and yeah, crazy little bits like that. That's trick number one as well. Yeah. Like, like that is something that you need mm. to have in your arsenal. You need to be able to work around when it's not going your way. Yeah. To pull it back where it needs to be. Being able to instantly pull out like a plan B when you're halfway through setting up a ukulele and you go, oh, this isn't what I wanted. Mm. How do I remedy yeah. this? <laughs> so, talk about the NAM show. The NAM show being this massive trade show that happens in California and in the summer as well um, in Nashville, but really it's the central hub where the music trade get together and discuss new products, learn about new products and sparks happen and big changes get to happen. I feel like the NAM show is a massive part of my life, but you've been with me twice. What are your experiences? What sticks out to you as big memories? Like, big memories, um, like, just painting a picture a little bit, like, being young, I never went on holiday. Like, we would go, like, around England a little bit, but we would never go on holiday. Um, and so I'd done a couple of trips with my wife to Cyprus, where she's from, and, and Turkey and stuff, but I'd never gone to America. And so being from Bournemouth, just, as you know, just quite a small little town in the UK, and you land in LAX, you're like, whoa this is big and you told me how big it is and then you get to the damn show and you're like I could stick my hometown in this building this is nuts it's the size of a of a football stadium in in terms of just the floor space for the show so that's not including like extra floors and the room where most of the stuff happens for us it's crazy it's it's just so vast so big we did a walkthrough for one of the Southern Ukulele Store videos. Yeah, I mean, our, we fast forwarded it at times, I think times 120, and mm. it took seven minutes to walk from one end to the next at quite a fast British pace, you know, like that. A woo, stomping kind stomping of Here we on, go. We've seen all this already. We need to get to the other <laughs> yeah, end of the This is our last day. Come on, let's do this. Um, what was it like meeting, meeting uh, Kanalea in person? So this is so the, okay. So you were saying earlier how like you know um, it's taken me like a while to kind of warm up to the ukulele, right? It's impossible not to absolutely fall in love with the ukulele when you meet Kanalea 
do, do, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, they yeah. are some of the nicest people I've ever met, and uh, I, I distinctly remember the last time we were there. Um, we we just spent a whole lot of time with them at, at the stall, and they are just the most lovely people, very interesting people. Their ukes are amazing. Um, yeah, and it was just a, a wonderful experience to spend time with you know Carmana and Joe and everybody. It was it was really really cool. Um, I love the work that they do. I'm a yeah, Canalera, my favourite uke brand. Um, yeah. We've spoken about it before. The stuff they do with the, the Redwood Cedar and the D-Series stuff. We are opposite the Canalera wall right now in the shop. So I get to look up and just see all these models and bring back memories. It's right near your bench as well. So like we are sat where you work most of the day. And I guess you just go... When you need inspiration, you just look over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of look over there and go... Because the thing that I love most about, I think, a uke is actually facilitating someone else's ability to, to play one and setting it up to be the best thing it can be. God, well, that's, that's beautiful. I love that. That is so you as well. That is what you're like. You love making people happy. Mm. Cool, man. And I think that every so often I kind of, for my own sake, look over and go, come on, someone, buy a can of layer so I can get my hands on it. Not that it needs a lot of work, but I just, I yeah. just want to, I want a quality check one, please. Like... So yeah, that was really cool. Um, the other one was the first year when we went, and we started talking about this before we um, put the cameras on. But that was the last podcast the I podcast. did. And it was like we were just so jet lagged, and I clearly remember um, somebody else falling asleep. But we spoke to um, Joe from Blackbird, and I'm like, "How is it I'm here talking to this guy about how he engineers the, the, the Blackbird ukuleles?" Yeah. And it was just such a... We weren't even at the podcast at that point. We were just sat on the wall outside the NAMM show. He, he's a tonic. Joe from Blackbird. We were. We were sat on the wall. Yeah. And he was late, wasn't he? And we, my phone wouldn't make an international call. Mm. And we were just so disappointed. We were going He's going yeah. to think we've stood him up. Mm. And then he just turns up. And he's just got like a foul mouth like us when we're not being professional. And he's cracking the jokes, but he's yeah. also clearly the most intelligent person in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he's talking about like forestation, you're like, ah, oh, I can't keep up here, man. Like, I tried. Take, yeah, you I tried. tried. <laughs> you did a really good job. I was like, listen, at this point, I'm just here to hold a camera. I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> but you know, you um, you talked to him about um, you you'd had to make the same adjustment on maybe five or six different Blackbird ukuleles, and I believe it was to do with was it to do with compensation on the saddle and you talked to him about that and he started making written notes was that what it was yeah it was so, it, i think i think it was that um and it was just so bizarre to just think that just how am i giving advice to this guy but yeah we spoke about compensation on the saddle and and, and the adjustments i have to occasionally make to to blackbird ukuleles but they you know they, they come out of the box and they're pretty spectacular yeah it wasn't like there was a problem with it I'm not backtracking now like, she, she said to him oh you know I've noticed that on the last few that have come through I've had to I don't know I've had to compensate the C slightly or something like it was, that it was something like, it was like just a, they just had like a straight gradient and it just needed uh, like a little bit of a lean or, or, or something like some that some gentle persuasion yeah yeah right. like little kind of little touches and it was just great to but, just be able to talk to him about it but then immediately after that I remember you met Joel uh, from the ukulele site who does ukologic strings yeah and you two were just like once he, he has a lot of energy yeah yeah 
when when you talk to him about what he likes he's and mm. you and you do too and nobody in this room had had any sleep but you two were talking about ukulele setups and it was like you'd known each other your whole lives and yeah. um I would say actually your conversation with Joel and how well you got on has led to Southern Ukulele Store stocking ukologic strings because you know we got so much out of him in that short brief face to face interaction that we kind of understood each other mm. so I think that um, being a huge metalhead outside of the outside of the shop uh, when someone wants to talk to me about crazy gauges for strings on any instrument I'm like let's do yeah, this yeah. let's get into it let's go so yeah discussing uh, the the pros and cons of um, I think we just started doing the SUS uh, GCA and DGB sets yeah for yeah. the baritone and we were talking about the string gauges and what you made up for those and just how much I loved them really um, and just the, they bring such a nice amount of tension t- to a baritone and really make them pop and sing and he was giving me feedback on what he was doing as well and it was yeah it was um, again just all these interactions that you don't think you would have as and there's just a bigger community out there for the whole thing it's still a small community but it's bigger than you ever imagined yeah the, yeah. the versatility of it the amount of different players you see the amount of different styles you see people doing it in you know um, it's, it's just amazing but my my favourite my favourite Nam story uh, we were at the Canalea stand and I said to you I've got to go one sec I'll be back because I saw a man in a black leather jacket and black jeans and he had black hair like down to his waist and I was like this looks like someone I've got to meet and I ran ran around the corner and uh, Slash's new band Slash Guns N' Roses Slash everyone knows Slash Slash Slash, <laughs> slash transcends Explanation in a ukulele podcast. His new bass player is a guy called Todd Kearns, who I geeked out and recognised. And I was like, oh, I got Todd Kearns from Slash's band. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were chatting. And he plays ukulele. And we got into it and we were chatting about ukuleles and what ukes he plays. And of course, I did the you know I had to say the whole like well if you ever want a uke set up I'm your guy I'm, I'm the man I'm the one like southern ukulele store and so he follows us on Instagram yeah yeah um, he likes things as well yeah and and yeah he's just really great and it's weird that I still to this day have very small fleeting interactions with people like that yeah. <laughs> through social media um, from just going to the NAMM show and, yeah. and, and working here and just you know working hard just coming up with you (laughs) well that's it before we move away from the NAMM show um, we'll just touch on that podcast because someone watching or listening to this might go well I'm going to check out that podcast if they chat to the guys from ukulele site unfortunately the podcast never aired Mm. because well Andrew's not going to listen to this podcast I believe the podcast never aired because Corey and Calais both fell asleep while we were talking and I I don't think it was that we were boring, although maybe, I mean, you'd be the judge of that. Yeah, if you're, you were if, if you're asleep right now, <laughs> yeah, we're boring. This is the kind of energy we brought to that conversation, but it was just us talking to Andrew and Joe from Blackbird while Corey and Calais nodded off in this hotel room. Um, yeah. It was, the, it was the worst orgy I've ever been to. We were, we were, <laughs> we were both, we were both like, 
really excited to be at a podcast and really envious that someone else was going to sleep because we were so jet-lagged. We'd, we'd been awake for 25 hours when the podcast started and then it was two hours of talking and then they never even used it. I just yeah. remember feeling... When I got back about two months later, I was like... Sent Andrew message like, Andrew, I don't suppose this podcast's ever going to go live. He's like, oh, no, man, the audio wasn't right. And I'm like... I could have fell asleep. The audio was fine. <laughs> I could have fell asleep. <laughs> um, we did go to... Where did we go afterwards? We, we went and got a quick burger somewhere. Oh, In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out Burger, and then back to the hotel room. Yeah, and it yeah. was late. That was, was a, that so was a long day. And I think we hit traffic, and I we were like, "What have we done to deserve this?" Yeah, basically in LA, if you get in a car, you're hitting traffic. Yeah, you're hitting traffic, regardless of the time. <laughs> it's like it's like the cruelest place yeah. in the world for driving. Um, yeah. So moving away from the Nam show because I, you know, we could talk about that, and we do. We've talked about that for for yeah. years, and I miss the Nam show. I wish it was something that we were able to go to in 2022 but it looks like it's going to be 2023 now um, fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed and um, let's talk about Ukes for a second because I'm sure that you know people call us up here and they go you know hi there I'm looking for a ukulele I've got this budget you know there are if I name some if I told you a couple of things that I was looking for, mm-hmm. I'd be really interested to hear what you think the standout instruments were at that price. I think that's something that okay. a lot of people listening to this kind of thing really value hearing from uh, someone like yourself. So, okay, I'm just starting ukulele. I'm going to spend up to £150, um, you know, concert or a tenor. You know, what stands out to you as being the best value in 2021? Um, the Kai. KTI, KCI, 100Ms, um, great. You know, most people who are starting out with a ukulele want a strap button fitted. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they're still getting to grips with holding it and they just want something to kind of make it feel a bit more secure. They want to be able to hear it really well. Yep. They want some sort of solid woods. They want really good construction. Um, a bag. And a bag. Yeah. And it comes with all of that. For under, like, you'd still have enough money to go get lunch. That's true. You like, could come down to Bournemouth for the day, buy a kai, and then go to one of the pubs up the road, get ripped off on a meal, and still have a few pounds left. But you'd only feel like you've been ripped off on the meal. Yeah, not, yeah, on the, not on the uke. <laughs> 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 okay, so um, let's say now I'm somebody coming in. I've had my first uke for a while. I've mm-hmm. got. Let, it's so tough because do you find when people are asking these about, say, I've got £500 to spend, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to go right well i know that the fight flight fireball is 500 pound mm. but you don't want to take the piss out of people and say yeah. i think you sh- if you spend a bit more you can have an opio yeah, 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 yeah so you know let's say we're looking at that mid price point where people are buying something serious mm-hmm. you know they're gonna love it um, we call it affectionately in the shop Pono or Higher because Pono did that price point first. It's like a game show. It is, yeah. So Pono or Higher then, Phil, what would you go for? Pono or Higher, um, if I'm spending my own hard-earned Wonga, um, I'm going to go Miller. Yeah, good shout. Um, I, I just think Miller captures so many of the tone options I would want. Um, you know they've got stuff with rows of back and sides the cypress tops on them are really interesting 
Um, and they're, they're they're made really well. I really really rate them. Um, and I find that dynamically they've got a little bit more kind of to them than some of the other brands. Um, I really like Pono as a guitar player. I I feel like if you if you want something that feels like really solid in yeah. your hand, the, the Polos feel nice and kind of like sturdy. Not that anything else doesn't, but you know. Um, so to interject, I always feel like Pono, if you're a guitar player out there watching this and you're looking and going, well, I wonder what a Pono's like. It's like Faith guitars, or it's like um, like the high-end Ibanez guitars, or yeah. Epif- like Pono just has this feel about it, like it was made by a guitar company, but they actually took really good notes about what yeah. people want from a ukulele. So it's thicker than other ukuleles at that price, mm. but it's like you don't... Like, just don't get a bad Pono. No. Over the years, I I can't. Maybe one, one where it arrived with a problem, and then you, you know, that they're as good as gold. About. I only have one horror story about a Pono. Gone. It's that someone came in with a Pono once, and um, they'd put a strap button in it, and they were having a pickup fitted, and a little bit of the screw had sheared off right. in the block, and as I put the drill in, the drill hit the screw. Oh dear. And I didn't see it until the uke just popped open. <laughs> and then inside oh, the block, I saw the bit of screw that had snapped off. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, that was, that's my only time I think a Pono has kind of let me down. And that's kind of understandable. That I don't even blame Pono for that. I blame no. a cheap screw. The, yeah, the screw, the end, of a, the end of a metal screw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Miller. Miller. Um, you know, under £1,000, are there any other brands that you really would like to give a shout out to? I mean, the thing is, is that they're all here for a reason because, you know, if you're a bit more of like a classical guitar player or something along those lines, you might really like Romero because of their heritage and what they do. The Opio, the Opio tenor man, Unwound OG, bass response forever, is just the, like, it's like a big old blanket on a winter's day. It is so (laughs) warm. It is lush yeah um yeah so there's i think you know there are lots of really good brands i would go with a miller um or or the opio um but come down and get them in your hands that's the best bit because we're not going to force one on you we're going to help you find the one that that's that's there for you but you'll always get an honest opinion i i think really with any ukulele retailer i know we talk a lot from our own perspective at sus but you know, you could ask any shop that specialises in ukuleles mm. and they will mention the same things we've mentioned because they just stand out. They stand out uh, amongst the pack. I think, um, you know, we know you love Canalea, but are there any um, kind of high-end builders or builds? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really love Anui Nui Moonbirds and I love the Louts Lions even more. Um, number one, they're orange. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> like, um, they're just so colourful. Like I think that when you work with ukuleles every day and you just see wood, 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 colour, 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 you get something that's like really bright orange, and you're like, "What? This is amazing!" Yeah. So that's really impressive, and it sounds phenomenal as well. It's it's that body shape. They've got a slightly different contour to the bottom bout. The rosewood and spruce thing, I, I love on the UT200 more than I do 
on any other instrument in the mm. store. Yeah, it's, at any price. Yeah, it's got a, a, a liveliness and a vibrancy that if I want to get some like kind of dirty blues lead playing out of an acoustic ukulele, that's the one, man. That's just going to be mm. mega. And then the the, the lout uh, is the cover back inside. It's it's just like a kind of softer version. Yeah, and it's like a little bit more kind of um, complex. And so you kind of feel like you can take more chances on it. Yeah, I the sound samples over the last two years since we've had better equipment. Every time we featured the lion, the loud, the lion. It's a lion. If you're if you're not unsure what we're talking about, the Inui Inui lion ukulele. Um, that one, uh, it just always comes out on top to people's ears. It must record really well as well. Um, in the flesh, it's the only ukulele where when a customer is trying it in the shop, whatever we're doing around the shop, we just kind of go, oh, okay, it's that. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Especially like, with the new desk having the back to it, we always kind of yeah. peer over and go, oh, what's going on over right. um, Like meerkats. Okay, cool. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to talk about your teaching because you teach ukulele. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a lot of free time, but you're doing virtual lessons with people by yeah. appointment. And um, yeah, I mean, you've not come on this podcast to really promote yourself because I know that you, you have limited space, but do you want to tell everyone a bit about that? Yeah, I think with the teaching thing, as I said earlier, I love songwriting. So I really kind of try and dig into the creative learning process. So we're always thinking about... Um, what kind of tools you need in your bag to be able to create more um, and and just achieve more really and I and I really get a, a kick out of seeing people do well and achieve things and um, just being there for the for, for the journey and the ride of it. So I think that's why I teach really because I'm so passionate about the creative process and I like seeing other people do it. Um, and if you want lessons, it's a uh, Yeeks with Phil at gmail.com, ping over an email and I'll um, do my best to get back to you in amongst being a dad to soon to be two children. There's a funny story behind that email. Um, (laughs) Yeeks of of Alex wasn't meant to be Yeeks of Alex. But Phil Phil touched on it earlier on. So when we were doing Hummingbird and the Crow, like I'm somebody who... I'm creative, but I'm really... I'm I'm desperate when I get my teeth into something I just have to do everything I can with it and I've got no patience so I make it happen and we talked about doing courses and educational yeah. stuff and that's something that might still happen together down the road yeah. but um, you didn't you couldn't commit the time and it was hard for us both to do it so especially with like lockdown and everything oh, it, it was, was just, that, it was a juggling free-for-all wasn't it we talked about it in the november and then by the march we were stuck in our houses for most of the time metaphorically snowed in (laughs) yeah so uh so i you know i set up ukes of alex as a means to kind of create that and i set up an email address for phil because the email address he was using to tell people he was a teacher was just really dot this dot that that. like it's just like the worst bit of self-marketing in the world (laughs) and i'm somebody who really you know i absolutely get off on good marketing like i i prefer i i buy into the marketing more than the product itself you know when you when you kind of i think if someone met us in the store you would see why you do so much front-facing stuff because you're really good at marketing and and talking to people and you can see why i like to get behind a bench because i'm a little bit more like you got a problem let me fix it and keep my face kind of out of the way 
Um, you do yourself a disservice because you're you're a massive um, you're just a massive star in the eyes of so many of our customers like you're the go-to person for so many people mm. and and for me you know I love working with you um, and I won't ever tell you enough just how much I think you bring to just the southern ukulele store and um, yeah just in general mate got a lot of love for you Likewise, man. Thank you, dude. No, and you know, if people are looking for a teacher for one-to-one lessons, you know, Phil is is fantastic. Likewise, um, before we sign off, you know, selfishly, I teach as well via courses because I really, I think that that's the way I can give you the best value for money. So if you're into fingerstyle ukulele right now, I've just launched a course on um, low G fingerstyle uke that you can pick up from ukeswith.com. Um, it's the same price as an hour lesson from a professional teacher but you get lots more for your money than that and um, I, ideally I think what you should do probably is take my course and then contact Phil for <laughs> also if you're taking your course um, you should try it because you know I looked at like the free sample and stuff and it, it works best when you try it with the Ukes with Alex strings Oh. Which, are, which are currently on my ukulele and um, yeah I think they work really well for, yeah. for what I do I gave Phil a set of the Ukes of Alex low G strings also there's a link for that in the description but um, <laughs> but, but you fun. you really um, you you came in like really buzzing about them and it was it was it made me so happy because everyone who I gave sample sets to when I was in the process of making them really really got on with them if so you want to be like a uke blues behemoth get a mahogany kind of Pete Howlett nuke that I've made and <laughs> whack on a set of ukes and Alex strings and you'll be set nice set for life um, cool and uh, you can catch me and Phil at the Southern Ukulele store Monday to Friday 9 till 5 uh, at the time of recording I mean who knows if there'll be another lockdown at the time of recording but you know, I thought you were actual, actual oh, time just wise. ask uh, do you know what I've had enough of yeah. but no that's not likely to happen anytime soon no. we, we, we love what we do I hope that yeah. comes across in the video Thank you very much for joining me. Cheers, pal. We'll do this again soon. Shake your hand.